You're listening to the Up In Your Business Podcast, episode 022. On today's show, I talk to Jason Miller about personal branding, self-learning, and the rock and roll of marketing. If you have those little projects and you don't quit, uh, even through the, the pain points where it's like you're frustrated and I want to give up, that's where you know once you cross that chasm, if you will, and it starts to really feel good, then, then that's where the magic happens. Welcome to the Up In Your Business Podcast, building you to do business better. This show is about intention, transparency, and insights from business professionals sharing their personal business. Discover what they've learned the hard way, so you don't have to. Empowering a new breed of self-aware leadership. Here's your host, Angus Nelson. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Up In Your Business podcast. I am your host, Angus Nelson. I am really glad you're here. If you are listening for the very first time, welcome. It's so great to have you join the show. Uh, today, we are going to talk with a friend of mine that I think you're going to find very refreshing. He's got a background in music, so you're going to hear a lot of references to 80s hair metal and uh, some of the uh, references that we go back to. Gosh, they take me way back to uh, junior high even. And I find this conversation today extremely refreshing because one of the things that I really respect about our guests is that he's authentically himself and he's found ways to be able to implement who he is into what he does. And I think that's really important, and I don't want to give much more than that, except uh, I just want to tease it out to say you're really going to enjoy this. And I hope that you discover um, some different approaches to how maybe you approach some of the things in your life, your talents, your skills, and your passions. So I want to introduce you to our friend. He is a Amazon number one bestseller of the book, Welcome to the Funnel, and he leads global content and social initiatives for LinkedIn Marketing Solutions. And even though he's worked in the whole social business marketing space for some time prior to that, he actually worked for Sony Music Group. And during that time, he created marketing campaigns for some of the biggest names in music. You'll actually hear him drop some of those names and some of the uh, concerts he was a part of. And in addition, he also has his own blog uh, about all that called Rock and Roll Cocktail. I really invite you to go check that out because his photography is absolutely amazing. To, so it takes a real special skill set that uh, he brings to the table. Uh, in addition, he's also a writer. He's written for all of the typical marketing, online magazines, social media examiner, marketing profs, et cetera, et cetera. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to my friend, Jason Miller. And I think you're really going to love this interview starting right now. This is the Up In Your Business podcast. I'm Angus Nelson here talking with Jason Miller. Welcome to the show, Jason. What is making you smile these days? Angus, uh, you know, things are very well here. Um, you know, Megadeth's new album came out last week. That's what's making me smile. I, lo I love that band. I, gr I grew up listening to Megadeth. It takes me back to my 14-year-old kind of, you know, angry at the world, uh, you know, hanging out with my heavy metal friends and, you know, getting into trouble. 
Is that, is that a good way to start an opening? I think that's fantastic because you're either going to like, what is it? That you, you have to do something that's either controversial or you have to do something that everybody loves. Either way, you know, you get attention. I think, you know, you're just swinging for the fence right there. Well, it's, it's funny because a lot of the, uh, the hair metal bands that I loved, you know, through the 80s and early 90s, you know, I, I, I blame Nirvana for killing the, the genre that I love so much. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I stuck with them, the fact that I still celebrate Cinderella's entire catalog, I, I, you know, throughout the 90s and the grunge movement and the new metal movement, I caught a lot of hell. Right. But now that I, that I stuck with that, yeah. people respect me a little bit more. Uh, and it's not as silly. <laughs> no, so uh, so uh, we were listening to Twisted Sister right as we came in uh, because you you had me on hold while you were finishing up some work, and so I was just trying to mock, you know, I'm not going to take it anymore. And uh, so I go back to I'm an '80s you know music guy, and I kind of liked everything. So I did New Wave, but I also I listened to Poison, Cinderella a little bit, uh, Motley Crue. Um, you know that that stuff was kind of standard fare. Uh, Striper, yeah. I even got into Striper for a while too. Um, so big hair, I get it. Makeup, I get it. Um, but there are some of those bigger bands that I just never stayed with. It's almost like I transitioned to another phase uh, in life, and I feel like my '90s, I missed out. I was traveling all the time, and I, I just didn't listen to a lot of stuff. So like the '90s music scene to me is almost non-existent until the latter years, where it got all pop saturated with like. Yeah. I don't know stuff that went on the radio and then soon became you know part of um, Shrek, you know that kind of stuff, you know whatever. Well, I worked in a record store in the '90s and played in a band, so I mean I was the guy that you know you would I barely made it through the Oasis uh, Wonderwall craze of uh, <laughs> the early '90s, where everybody who came in they either wanted Wonderwall or they wanted Yanni Live at the Acropolis, right? <laughs> and then then the damn Titanic soundtrack came out. And it had one song on it, yeah. the Celine Dion song, but the rest of it was all score. And everybody coming in, they wanted the, everybody wanted the single, but I had to charge them eighteen ninety nine for mm. this one CD, twenty thirty six with tax. I still, I still remember how many times I sold that record. And it, the times have changed much since then in digital. So let's let's kind of get into that. So you grew up in the Midwest, yeah, right, Same Missouri? Missouri, born and raised. No, no, is it Missouri or Missouri? Missouri. Missouri. <laughs> I had a uh, home ec teacher back in high school, and she was from Missouri. She That's was like, yeah. thick in her we, accent. Missouri uh, is, is the center of the country, and we kind of have a bad rap. You know, St. Louis uh, was always a, kind of a dangerous city, one of the most dangerous cities to live in. I think we, we battled it out with Detroit every year, and then I mean, Camden, New Jersey came out of nowhere and took the number one spot. But I think St. Louis just got it back as of like last week. Which, oh. uh, But, you know, it's... It, it, I love that city, and I went back. To, I go back there all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, my very good friend, best friend of the world, Chris Bueller, and the Scorch Agency, the agency that, that I've done all my work with, is there. But what they've done with that city downtown, they've cleaned it up. It is uh, a remarkable, beautiful city, and there's quite a tech boom happening there. They're mm-hmm. calling it like the, maybe the next Austin or Portland. So uh, cool stuff happening. There. Uh, everybody's putting that label. I'm in Nashville. Come on, we're we're, I love we're, trying, Nashville to, we're trying to put a stamp on that sucker too. Uh, the next tech scene. Um, so, uh, yeah, that Scorch Agency you just recommended uh, or, or talked about, um, they, they just hired a fantastic CMO. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. I think you know them well. But uh, I, I was so thrilled to see that announcement. Um, and they came by, and uh, uh, Chris and, and your brother, of course, came by the office, and we got to hang out a bit and talk business. And, um, yeah, it was, I'm, I'm so thrilled that those two came together because two really good people uh, in business uh, coming together just makes me happy. Nice. And we, too, also grew up in the Midwest, so we like to call uh, the Midwest Mafia. 
Hashtag Midwest Mafia. <laughs> That's what we're all about. So I want to get into this love for music and how you got into the music business. So how did that all kind of transpire? Uh, you know, I was working. It's funny if I go really way back uh, when I was 14 years old, I was washing dishes in a, a restaurant that my brother was a chef at. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always I wanted to get a job at Taco Bell because that was where all the cool kids worked. But they wouldn't hire me because I had really long hair. So all the cool like the quarterback of the team man, he like he was the guy at Taco Bell. He was the cool guy. So I got it. Finally, talked to someone to give me a job at a record store, and uh, got into it. Started as an intern at Sony Music, and loved it so much because I was the only guy in St. Louis mm-hmm. to take all the bands around. So you know, Corn and System of a Down, and it was a good time because all these cool metal bands were coming out too. System of a Down, Corn, Incubus, mm-hmm. you know, their very first record. Nobody knew who they were. They were all torn together. Uh, Mudvayne, some early Slayer stuff, and it was a dream job for me. Uh, once I graduated college, the uh, position opened up in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually in Houston, Texas, and on my way down to Houston, my boss called me when I was in my Big Mac truck moving or whatever, and he said, when you get to Houston, keep going. We're going to put you in Austin. So I went to Austin, um, and I worked in music biz for uh, over 10 years, Austin, Houston, Dallas, uh, and then they said, you know, we're going to eliminate your job in Dallas. And we're, we'd like to move you to San Francisco. And I thought I was coming out here to be part of the digital world. You know, iTunes is out here. Um, you know, uh, Mog, which was a uh, streaming service, an early one that I don't think is around anymore. But yeah, I got out here and it just never worked out, man. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't get on the digital radar, so I quit and went back to school and had to kind of reinvent myself. It was a hellish, hellish experience, but uh, well worth it. And I worked really hard to kind of transition myself to get to where I'm at today. So that's an interesting element. So the career was in one direction. And even though you went another direction, in many ways, very much related, how did you take that expertise and then start transitioning to this digital world? What was that bridge? Well, um, you know, to be honest with you, uh, I was kind of like, I dealt with a lot of physical retail Mm -hmm. at the time. uh, And I I was kind of angry at the music industry because I had all these ideas. I was going to school, I was taking these classes that Sony Music was paying for. They had a great reimbursement program. So I'm taking all these digital marketing classes, SEO classes, and I'm like, you know, uh, we can run these AdWords campaigns like this. We can do some cool Twitter stuff. We can do some cinnamon analysis to replace top five phones at radios. I, had, I said, let's start a, a, a Columbia Records blog, right? Where you can, like, why wait for Rolling Stone to write about Miles Davis or Bruce Springsteen when you got this rich history mm-hmm. and this catalog? Let's, let's do it ourselves. Let's become the media. Uh, and, you know, I put together this huge plan. I spent a lot of time on it, and nobody even looked at it. Mm-hmm. So finally, I, I just I got my certificates from UC Berkeley, which, funny enough, uh, you know, I'm, I'm teaching that course this semester. That's awesome. And uh, I quit, and somebody took a chance on me. Somebody mm-hmm. took a chance on me based on this little crappy blog that i wrote on blogger just so because i was writing i was tweeting about music and that that little thing that you know a little bit of ambition showing that i understood how twitter and social and blogging works um got me my first job at a little startup called zoomering uh and then i just you know started kind of hustling from there hustling and networking so let's talk about that so your little missouri kid just trying to understand and learn all of digital. You've taken a few classes at Berkeley, and you probably you're full of yourself and think you know everything. But at the same time, <laughs> I, walked, I walked into the job. I, swear, I I kid you not, and I said I'm a social media expert, and I feel so ridiculous, like <laughs> that I would have ever thought to say that to anybody. But that was how I had to be. Like over, that's how you had to get a job back. Then. Fake it, it till brutal. you make it. 
Yeah, but see, after the expert came the ninja and then the guru. So, you know, you, you beat them all to the punch. Yeah. <laughs> it's embarrassing. But So th- back then, uh, I mean, to your point, this little side note, um, there there was such a thing as social media experts. And now, inadvertently, a lot of people are social media experts in comparison and just don't realize it because it's become so native. Yeah. It's not till you get beyond that and to all the analytics and everything else beyond that and sentiment. And I won't go into all that, but you know more <laughs> better than I do. I'm just making stuff up as I go along. So you said something about if you have the passion, everything else can be learned. Yes. And I truly believe that because, uh, again, I felt like, you know, 10 years in the music industry, I was, I was expecting to be, my dream was to be an A&R guy to go out and find new bands and sign them and, and develop them. Well, of course, that didn't work out because the music industry was fighting digital and it crumbled in on itself. And by the time they decided to embrace it, you know, the cat was out of the bag. But I felt that as, as if uh, the music industry hadn't really prepared me for anything. Uh, but it turns out that this vast knowledge of, of music and pop culture is uh, a real good icebreaker and good conversation topic and a way to bring my personality into, into my work. Um, so when, when I kind of showed that I had this passion for writing and, uh, and, and social media and understanding how these things work together, understanding new ways to connect with audiences, that was my passion, turning mm. them on to things they'd never seen before. That was my passion. And somebody saw that in me and gave me a shot in the world of B2B marketing. I didn't know what the hell B2B marketing was. When I was at Marketo, uh, I, you know, I certainly didn't understand marketing automation because, uh, as well as I should have because it was a very – technical, um, non-sexy sort of uh, marketing mm-hmm. platform at the time. This is five, six years ago. But uh, you know, I got in there, and I learned it, and I figured it out, and I had the passion. I had the drive. And um, yeah, the, I mean, the rest is kind of history. And I, I, I think that's how I look at hiring people um, mm-hmm. on my team. It's like, I'll take a chance on anybody. If you're ambitious, if you're smart, if you want to learn, uh, and your heart's in this, right? If you, mm-hmm. can, if you can prove that, I don't care if you have the biggest, coolest resume on the planet. Um, show me that you're passionate, show me that you have drive and show me that, that you want this and show me you're a good writer. Yeah. And that's the most, that's really the most important thing. Can I you just, express yourself? Just, Are you interesting? Absolutely. You know? I just, uh, had this conversation at lunchtime right before we got on the call with my 20 uh, year old daughter's visiting. She's off at college right now. She's studying business, but she wants to do marketing and social media. And I said, like, when you say social media, what do you mean? She was like, well, I, I want to do videos, you know, like, like Buzzfeed. I want to do that. I'm like, awesome. That sounds great. I said, at least, you know, you don't set your heights or, you know, don't set your goals too high. Holy cow. <laughs> and I said, but tell me this, honey, um, what have you done? And she kind of looked at me blankly and I said, baby girl, people don't care what you want to do. Nobody gives a rip about what, you know, this is, we have a relationship where I can talk like this. This is full <laughs> of love. This doesn't sound as crass as, as it might. I said, people only respect what you've done. And so she has done some stuff in the past. And I said, you need to start collecting that and start building your brand around those things. And in your everyday life, build little funny things with your friends, but do it as if you were a brand. Yeah. And just start collecting that. Um, So along those lines, I want to talk about your book. So in Welcome to the Funnel. Welcome to the Funnel. That's exactly it. (laughs) Proven tactics to turn your social and content marketing up to 11. So I catch the Spinal Tap uh, reference on that one too. Um, So these are some of the things you talk about. You talk about content, social, all together now, and the credits. Can you kind of share what those mean a little bit? 
Yeah, so I wanted to have fun with this, right? So I only wrote this book uh, because I, I just thought, I just wanted to see if I could do it. Uh, everything in that book well, – I saw a lot of books out there on social media that, that were very philosophical, and I like to call these guys the, uh, the social media Socrates, if you will. They're the people who get out there on stage and they, they tell you you have to be authentic and transparent, which is important, but you know, tell me how to do that. Don't just yeah. leave me hanging. Don't, leave, don't, don't give me – or don't leave me inspired without a plan – to, to get you know to the next step, and so everything in that book uh, is is everything I learned that you know over the past four or five years actually in the trenches doing this stuff a tremendous amount of trial and error, but I figured out what works I figured out a system uh, I plug everything everything I know is in there, and it works it worked at Marketo. Uh, I brought it over to LinkedIn it works here at LinkedIn you know scorch has implemented that strategy at a lot of companies and it's working for them it's simple mm-hmm. i think we're overcomplicating this marketing but the book is kind of fun because i wanted to structure it like an album like a double album so there's four sides to it uh there's rock and roll quotes in there there's little anecdotes here and there about uh lessons learned from rock and roll history that could be applied to b2b marketing because you know b2b marketing has traditionally been looked at as a very boring uh, kind of <laughs> a boring mm-hmm. um, you know, practice, if you will, and and I wanted to, you know, I I wanted to shake things up, and I think that's uh, you know, people know what they they get when they're hiring me. A little bit edgy, uh, a little bit funny. I'm an entertainer. I'm a top mm-hmm. of funnel guy, but mm-hmm. uh, but I I know how to be interesting. I know how to draw attention from audiences, and I know how to drive revenue using this stuff. So it works out works out nicely. But that that is the book in a nutshell. So is there a chapter um, on the back end of the book that people don't really listen to too much that would be considered the B-side? <laughs> yeah, probably my introduction. I think we'll have to re-release it a few years later, and then everybody will go mad over it. They'll be like, this is amazing. It, yeah, it, it's funny. It's a short, I mean, it's a short, simple book. There's no fluff. It's just this is, this is what works. And uh, I, I promise you, if everybody, if every B2B marketer took this approach – um, and again, I, I'm just learning from everyone around me. I would, this book would not be possible. I would not be here today if it wasn't for you know, John Miller, Marketo, the m- most brilliant marketer I, I know, mm-hmm. uh, and Maria Pergolino, who, was, who took a chance on me and pulled me in. And of course, my wife, who, uh, who is a market automation consultant uh, and, and helped me out tremendously as well. So mm. it's all about surrounding, your people, surrounding yourself with the smartest people and, um, and, and you know, get a two-way relationship going there. And apparently marrying them too. I will, I, I will second that. I, I, I way out, way out kicked my punt coverage on that one for sure. So uh, you believe in evolving as a marketer, um, evolving as an employee, you know, evolving your career. So a lot of that and what you shared is so much about self-learning, which is an awesome concept that has been echoed time and time again with the people we've been interviewing here on this show. Can you share with our listeners what that means to you? It, it means – I have this concept of the hybrid marketer, and I talk about this in the book. And what I learned at Marketo, one of the most important lessons I learned at, at, a Mar- at Marketo, I, I was like employee number 125. So I was sort of in my startup phase, right? I never had this experience before. But I learned very quickly that you cannot be an expert in any one discipline, right? You have to understand how all these things play together. So the open floor plan that's getting a lot of flack now, I think, right? They're saying it's too, uh, you know, too destructive to the team environment. I don't know what the hell is going on. But all I know is I used to sit between demand generation, PR, community, uh, SEO, et cetera, right? And when I needed something, I spun around and asked somebody a question. But that, you know, we all played off one another, you know, content-fueled demand gen, uh, social was kind of the voice and tone of the company. Uh, SEO laid the foundation, and I teamed up with PR to reach these analysts and influencers. So all these working together, 
is, is really how you become this true hybrid marketer. If you don't understand these disciplines, I think you're going to suffer moving forward. So I would say learn something every day, uh, but also learn how to work cross-functionally because mm-hmm. as you become a more senior marketer, you're going to have to – you don't have to be an expert in email marketing or demand management, but you have to understand how these affect your role. And if you don't do that, um, you know, I think, I think you, you're going to suffer. So for you, if you were talking to someone here who's listening, uh, my audience is here. They Let's say there's um, a musician, there's a, um, a corporate exec, there is um, a stay-at-home something or other. They want to get ahead. What books should they read? What podcasts should they listen to? What are the techniques to actually moving forward in the self-learning process? It's one thing to say, always be learning something new every day. But how should they go about doing that? What's the practical? That, that's a very good question. So I have 10 blog posts that I read every single day. I have 25 blog posts that I look at every single week. But I've, I've basically asked myself, what do I want to be known for? Um, and I want to be known for the guy who takes very complex marketing ideas and breaks them down into simple steps. Right? So be it content, be it social, be it SEO, be it whatever. Uh, I feel like I can write about all these things in this most simplistic form. So I figured out the most influential blogs, the, most, the, the best-selling books on Amazon. Type, you can get onto Amazon and just type in a keyword, and here comes the books, man. I found some of the, the most incredible books there. Same goes with, uh, with blogs. If you just – or Twitter, people to follow, or LinkedIn. Search on these topics that you want to uh, learn about. Find the most influential people, and then get on their radar. Chase them around. Anne Hanley uh, wrote Content Rules, which is the – the basic the book, or she wrote it with C.C. Chapman, mm-hmm. um, but a brilliant book. I call it the Bible of Content Marketing. It got me started, and I, <laughs> I don't want to say chased Anne Hanley around, but I, I chased her around at conferences and followed everything she did. Bought the book. I have the autographed copy from 2011 that she gave on my desk here at LinkedIn. As you're pointing um, off to the side, press yeah, so great. <laughs> I'm pointing off to the side. Of my desk <laughs> over there. But, but again, I mean, uh, find your heroes and then go after them. That's the remarkable thing about social media mm. is that everyone is out there. You can connect with anyone, but how you connect with them is, is the important part. You know, don't ask. Just ask how you can help them mm-hmm. uh, and then get on their radar. Comment on their blog. Share their stuff. You can do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to happen overnight. It took me a couple years, but – um, yeah, you know, Anne's a good friend of mine. She inspires me uh, all the time with her blogs and her content. So that's kind of my 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 content marketing hero. And um, you know, Joe Polizzi, Michael Brenner, uh, things people, oh, Scott Stratton, Chris Brogan, people who are doing remarkable things mm. draw me in and and inspire me to do remarkable things. So I think that's that's really how you do it. It's That's all great. out there. There's a, there's a virtual PhD in any topic you want to know, and it's all free on the web. You just need to track it down and put it into some sort of sequential order that you can consume it. So I'm going to nail you down to the next level on that because you and I could say that. I mean, I built my whole career so far doing the exact same thing, searching it out, finding it. There's a listener here right now who doesn't have that kind of self-confidence, who doesn't believe in themselves in that capacity, what would you tell that person? I would say, <clears throat> that's you know, I, I would say I don't I, I don't really have a good answer for that because because I've almost forgotten what it's like to to feel like that. But uh, it, it brings me back to being like this fourteen year old kid who was you know I had long hair and I wasn't the cool kid in the school. 
But, you know, I turned, like, heavy metal was the thing. Twisted Sister, man, Megadeth, these are the things that kind of it gave me the energy, gave me the confidence, just this powerful music. Mm. And then the camaraderie around, around the other fans who might have been kind of, you know, kicked out of school or not with the cool kids. We hung out together. Um, and so I felt like I found my place. But what was the next step? I say find your place first where you're comfortable uh, and then you got to start very small and put yourself out there with some words and some video. I remember my first blog post like it was yesterday. It was terrible. I remember the yeah. first comment. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't so terrible. Uh, it was kind of encouraging. But once you put yourself out there and you get a little bit of encouragement, that's what's so good about social yeah. is, is it happens instantaneously. Um, a couple of good comments, like you get addicted to this and now you start to feel more confident. Mm-hmm. Now I'm, I'm constantly thinking of ways that I can uh, get my thoughts out there because if, you, if, you're, again, if you're passionate about something, if you understand something and if you have a unique way of looking at that, you have to get it out there. Mm-hmm. So if you either blogging, which is the simplest way, I'm a blogger, I'm a writer, I'm a reader, um, I'm not a huge video guy, but get it out of your head uh, and get it out there and see what happens. And if the reaction is good, um, it's going to, you're going to get addicted to it. If the reaction is bad, go back to the drawing board and try again. But you know, find that mm-hmm. comfortable spot where you know who you are. And, uh, and, and you know, Marilyn Manson said this, I think, at Can Lions last year. He said, um, you, know, you never want to become a caricature of yourself. So stay true to yourself, but, but keep evolving. And I think that's what I do. What's next for me? I don't know. But I got 100 ideas in here. I got to figure out how to pull out, right? If you look at um, the the phrase that you said in in one of your um, talks that you gave, you talked about relationships matter, and you yeah. started kind of alluding to that just recently here when you were talking about reaching out to people on social and then connecting relationships. How have you leveraged relationships? And I hate to use that word leverage. I know that that's a really common thing, but it sounds really manipulative. But from a more genuine, authentic way that adds value. How have you seen those relationships build into something more powerful? Yeah, that, that's an interesting question. I was thinking about this the other day, um, you know, because I think I've built up a pretty good network over the, over the years. And I've done it because uh, I don't ever ask for anything, right? And I don't like asking people for things because I, I just, you know, I just don't like asking. I like to do things myself. Even though I have a really good relationships, I still struggle uh, with, you know, with asking people for things that I might think take up their time because I know how busy everyone is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would not be where I'm at today if I did not go out to every single meetup, conference, um, you know, networking opportunity, and and make it a point to meet new people and uh, and chat with them and get on their radar and connect with them on LinkedIn mm-hmm. or Twitter and share their content. Um, yeah, I think relationships are you know how you're going to get a job. I don't think anyone really scours the internet for you know candidates anymore i think you look to your networks you look who do i know and who do they know and who you know you you leverage people i think that's the most important thing so it's not about again it's not about how smart you are or uh you know robust your resume is it's it's who you know and who appreciates you and who have you done favors for uh in the past and how that all kind of comes together i'm not sure that's the best answer (laughs) no but i think i I think you're you're alluding to something that um i probably did this morning and and i didn't even think about it is just being a person of generosity is a really powerful thing it's nothing that i do in expectation of other things um like you uh it's part of our midwest values as we were talking about actually before this call it is hard to ask for help right um, that's it not is. part in the Midwest. We are very self-reliant. We get things done and we work hard. And yeah, there's something about that that is kind of a little limiting belief because the other part of that is actually quite liberating is once you've established value and you've given to other people, 
it's almost like they are wanting you to ask for something. That's interesting. I, I, I don't, you know, again, I, I, I don't think of it like that. I, I just think of it like, I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how I think about it. That's now we're getting pretty deep. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but I wrestle with this again, you know, it's that Midwest thing, like the way we are raised in the Midwest, there's a, just a different value system in how we think this morning. Um, I saw a usage of somebody had used, uh, Amazon to do book reviews. And in the book review, they would shoot a video of themselves talking about the book they had read, and this is all great, da 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 da. He was talking about your book on your uh, Amazon. And then at the end, he said, And if you want to hear more about this, you can go to my podcast at dot 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 com. And I was like, There's something to be said about that. And I have another friend of mine who does lots of interviews with authors. Yeah, the Read to Lead podcast. Um, I'll even put a plug out there for him. Go listen to Jeff; he's fantastic. So I sent him a little note with a screenshot this morning. Say, "Hey, Jeff, have you ever thought of this? This would be great for you." And he shot me back a note and said, "You know, this could take some exploration. This is kind of a really interesting idea." And that wasn't anything that he asked me to do. I just naturally thought of my friend. Yeah, I, I will say there's a couple couple of thoughts that just came to mind. Number one, I think social media does – we can reach anybody, right? But I think there's so many people who are reaching out with – like I get tweets all the time that say, hey, check this out or check this out. And it's like that's the worst thing you could possibly do. Um, you know, how do you get on somebody's radar? You you do it through adding value to their content and sharing and commenting. And uh, so I think maybe you know the people who use social in a very poor way – uh, have kind of maybe made it difficult for some of us to actually try to do it the right way. There's still that, so, that old school, the broadcast type of mentality, that? like the old broadcast mentality. Is that what you're saying? Where people would just like broadcast, 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 but no relationship, no value, no adding to other people. I'm I'm saying like a direct tweet to me that says, Hey, you know, we just published this post. We think you'll like it. I'm like, I don't even know who you are. Like, I mean, but you know, I will, again, I'm, I'm the yes man. Right. I, I, I do my absolute best. If you send me an email, a LinkedIn request, a tweet, I reply to every single one of those. Eventually I will get to mm-hmm. them, but I'm a yes man. If somebody in the company here asks me to come over and present or talk about content, I'm going to do it. If somebody asks me to do, uh, some questions for their blog, as I'll take a look at it. If it looks like a cool blog. I'll do it. You know, I mean, I'm a yes man. I think that's, the other important part of this this personal brand is you have to say yes to everything in the early days while you're mm. building yourself up, and then you see you know what makes sense. Where where do I spend my time? I think that's how you kind of manage the uh, the process moving forward. Um, that's yeah. good. That's good. Um, so, uh, given you know, let's say Gary Vaynerchuk talks about you know jab 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 left hook. So yeah. he would give, 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 and then make an ask. Uh, yeah, I, I was talking to Chris Brogan yesterday. He was, he was. Uh, we were chatting back and forth about this as well. And he has a similar thing. And, and you know, at Marketo in the nurture process, it was, uh, you know, three, three, one, or or. And I think Joe Polizzi came up with the the four, one, one rule, which is, uh, I always get it wrong. For every one self serving tweet, you should retweet one other tweet, but more importantly, share four pieces of content written by someone else. I can't believe I just <laughs> rattled it off, but you know. <laughs> Awesome. I think there's all those systems, but it, yeah. again, I just kind of I do like I probably do like a twelve rule. Like I I just do like twelve like helps, and then maybe one ask, and it's yeah. a tiny ask. 
I just I, I I need to get over that fear. That's the problem I have is asking people for something, and they usually come through. Yeah, uh, and you know. It works out in the end, but uh, again, asking people for help is something I struggle with. Oh, people love you way more than you give them credit for. They want to help you. So I want to talk about someone else that loves you. There's some really cute, adorable, chubby cheeks that come across your Facebook feed every now and then, and it's your oh, daughter. Little, little Penelope. Little Penelope May. <laughs> She's yes, adorable. She's one year old. Thank you. So being a daddy, saying yes, 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 yes to everything's like super cool when you're a single guy. <laughs> saying yes, 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 and then you get married has a little nuance to it and gets a little more complicated. But then you have little Penelope, and now how has that played into your life professionally versus personally? Um, you know, I, I, to be honest with you, it, it I uh, I'm not the kind of guy who goes home and watches like Game of Thrones for six hours. So I go home and I write or I read or I, you know, develop photos or whatever. So I just had to cut back on a couple of those things. So I don't really like, I don't like nonfiction books. I mean, I don't like fiction books because I like to learn something every single day. People give me crap about that. So I think um, my answer would be, um, it really didn't affect me too much because uh, I don't really have, I didn't have a lot of leisure time. So I just, I just made leisure time. That's the time that I spend with, with my daughter and my wife. And, you know, I, love little Penelope and I try to spend as much time with her as possible. But, you know, I get home from work and she's up for a couple of hours. She goes to bed and I start writing. And I was up, I was up till, you know, one o'clock in the morning last night writing a, a music blog because mm. that's what I love to do. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't sleep much. I, 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 uh, there's a quote from Dave Grohl. He says that I don't like sleep because I feel like I'm not getting anything done. And I'm the same way. I, if I'm sleeping, I dream about writing new ideas. I, like I don't turn it off. Mm. I feel like, I feel I still have this problem that I feel like ten years in the music business, like I, I'm, I need to catch up with the rest of my life. It's almost mm. like, you know, it's almost like I'm missing out. So right now I'm in this. I'm not where I want to be in life. So I never turn it off. But then you know, along the way, I make more work for myself by going to concerts and shooting concert photography and writing music blogs. And yeah, it's it's chaos. And how is it managing or juggling having an, uh, your day job? You know, your full time job. And yeah. then the passion project, the the stuff that gets you juiced and and creative. What's that like? Well, you have to do it because I tell you what. If if I didn't have the rock and roll photography, if I wasn't shooting at least one concert a week, when you're in the photo pit and there's thousands of people behind you and the artist is right in your face and there's the craziest dark lights, moving lasers, everything, uh, people flying through the air, stage divers coming on you, the only thing you can do is focus on composure and getting the shot, right? Getting the exposure, right, of this. Sh- and so it's the only time that I truly don't think about B2B marketing. Yeah. Uh, and it clears out my head completely. And I leave uh, with like this, I've, cr- I've, I've captured something that's important to me. And then I go home and I relive it and I try to tell a story with these photos instead of just putting up some, some crappy, you know, oh, the show is great, blah, blah, blah. I try to tell a little bit of a story. So I think that creativity in my mm. personal life uh, keeps me, you know, keeps me juiced at work, man. If it wasn't for that, then I'd, I'd probably just be another boring nine to five marketer who came in and sat at my desk with my earbuds in and plugged away all day. You Checked know? out. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I bounce around here. I talk about music a lot and I talk about photography a lot. I talk about Penny a lot. I talk about my wife a lot. And, and I, I, I prefer to have people on my team who are just as ambitious 
Mm-hmm. We don't have to. Uh, I was talking to Chris Brogan about this as well. Is there uh, a, such a thing as work-life balance? Um, and he said, "This is interesting." He goes, "He said," and I quote Chris. He goes, "I don't like the word balance because if you have steak and salt, the balance between steak and salt, you're going to have fifty percent of salt on your plate and fifty percent steak on your plate." He goes, "I think of it more like um, work-life alignment," mm-hmm. and I think I that's how I do it. I've aligned everything pretty well. I say integration, but I think alignment probably sounds even better. Integration isn't bad, but like, aligning, like... Align sounds good. You know, I, I, I interviewed, somehow I interviewed Megadeth and got it on the LinkedIn blog this week. Like, my job is done here. <laughs> <laughs> but it was relevant to B2B marketers. And uh, uh, I spent, I spent, I probably spent, I don't know, four or five hours over the weekend of my own time yeah. uh, while Penny's napping and my wife's doing something, whatever. Uh, just, just and, and I didn't have to do that. I didn't yeah. even have to take this thing on. But I wanted to do it as a passion project, and I wanted to see if I could tie this back to a lesson for beating me marketers. My passion of heavy metal and uh, speaking with Dave Mustaine about uh, branding and protecting the Megadeth brand and what marketers can learn. That's what. That's cool, man. It's like I'm gonna I'm gonna give you something nobody's ever seen before. Yeah. Right. That's what I. That's what I do every single morning. I come in here. I think that's uh, really powerful because uh, you you bring up a good point, especially for people that I work with every day in the corporate world. If 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 you think that what you're trying to find in your soul is going to be found in the office, oftentimes it's not there. Like you have to feed that soul, those passions and those juices create creativity. And now all of a sudden your day job, your corporate life comes alive not because it's feeding you. You have to feed, you have to take responsibility for feeding whatever it is that drives you and then let the effortless byproduct of that rule everything else. Yeah, you have to bring it in. You have to bring it into the office because I can't tell you, I can never work on a floor that's completely quiet, right? Um, I, need, I need that energy. I need to feel that people are alive there and people, mm. people want to be there. And you can sense that very quickly. Um, and, you know, we, I know, we mentioned personal branding earlier. And the importance of standing out, differentiating yourself from that marketer next to you is so important because of the skill sets becoming so so broad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think too many people come in here leading with their personal brand, and it just goes – it's a complete train wreck. Mm-hmm. If you come in and you build something and you let the work speak for it, and then you inject your personality a little bit and bring yourself uh, to this project holistically, then your personal brand will start to develop it. Uh, yeah. without you even really recognizing it. But once you recognize it, then it's your job to kind of point that in the right direction. Oh That's where the magic happens. When that personal brand starts coming out of amazing work uh, and amazing you know, relationships cross-functioning in the workplace, so, so, so vital and important, I think. Oh, good stuff, good stuff. So I want to take you back as we kind of come in for a landing here um, you know, to – Something which you were just saying before, like you feel like you're trying to play catch up. You feel like you're trying to you know, make up for that lost time or what have you. You know, a lot of people would look at you and what you're doing. You're head of what? What's your title now? Global marketing? I'm a group manager of uh, global content marketing for LinkedIn Marketing Solutions. It doesn't really roll off the tongue. No, but uh, but it sounds really important, and you're working <laughs> with an incredible brand, right? So they would look at you and they'd say, wow, if only. And you feel like you're still hustling. When will you arrive? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I ever will because I constantly raise the bar for myself. Um, it's uh, it, it, Number one, I don't care about job titles. And I tell you, uh, I had an argument with somebody about this the other day. Um, 
because you know I was hiring somebody on my team, an entry level position, and you got these kids coming out of out of out of college, going straight into a startup, and they call themselves a CEO. It's like I will ne- you'll never cross my radar, even if I have a great opportunity for you, because you have this inflated job title. Mm-hmm. So uh, number one, my little rant there is like, don't worry about job titles. Worry about getting paid what you're worth. And yeah. uh, number two, it's like I always ask myself. I probably spend I spend a lot of time with my daughter and wife. You know, my favorite two people on this planet. But I also probably spend, I don't know, probably four to six hours a week on concert photography stuff. And um, I would, I, sometimes I wonder if I would have taken that time and applied it to my, my day job, where would I be at today? Uh, and the question is, I, I don't know. But even better is I'd probably be miserable and insane mm. um, because I didn't have that passion project to balance out how, how hard I worked during the day. So I, I don't know if I'll ever arrive. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm just trying to do, uh, I'm just trying to do, I'm trying to shake things up, man. I'm trying to do something. Uh, I'm trying to inspire others that B2B marketing doesn't have to be boring and that, uh, and that you can bring your personality to work and that you can have a job that you love and work with people you love. Um, and it's not that I never thought I'd be here, but it's not that far off for a lot of people. I think, uh, I think some folks are a lot closer than they think. They just, um, they just haven't applied themselves as much as they could. Yeah, and that that differentiates a whole nother um, definitive of quote unquote arrive. Like, I if I were to answer that question, um, I'm kind of like you. Like, I'm a creative, so I'm always going to be creating X, Y, or Z, trying to find out whatever the you know, next thing is, which is an altogether different thing from contentment. Like. I know so many people who can't wait till they turn, you know, 65 or whatever the age ends up being when we're, we're older and it's like 72 and then it's going to be 78 and or whatever because we're going to be living longer. And I just cannot picture myself doing nothing. You know, the the thought of retirement to me just eliminates any purpose and value to add to the world. So I think I'm kind of like you in that same department. Um, but the contentment piece, like that's the critical component. Like... <laughs> I don't feel like I've even gotten close to contentment until probably the last couple of years to where I've gotten really comfortable in my own skin and kind of know what my purpose is and how I interact with the world. And I think even this podcast is probably a product of that is, is wanting to give back and wanting to take experience and turn it into something beautiful. Yeah, no, I, I, I could not have said that any better. I think it's, I think you find something you want to do. And then, you know, it used to be like, oh, well, I want to play guitar. And you take like two lessons and you give up. Well, what if you just pursued that and then you turned into Jimi Hendrix? That's what I do now. I used yeah. to give up and just, you know, try new things all the time. But now it's like if I want to learn concert photography, I'm going to absolutely master that. And I'm not going to stop until I do. B2B marketing, writing, you know, just turning myself as a writer. I'm still not as great as I want to be. A mm. video guy, I'm still learning video, coding, all this stuff I'm trying to do. So I think if you, if you have those little projects and you don't quit, uh, even through the the pain points where it's like you're frustrated and I want to give up, that's where you know once you cross that chasm, if you will, and it starts to really mm-hmm. feel good, then then that's where the magic happens. But you got to get there, and you can't get there by binge watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, so here's my final piece for you. So if you had to do it all over again, you go back in time. You are getting all uh, uh, back in the future and jumping into DeLorean, knowing everything you know now, going to talk to Jason Miller. 18 years old, what are you going to tell him to prepare him for this journey you've been on? Uh, I would tell him that uh, <laughs> don't take six years to get out of college. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, I mean, other, I don't know if I would change anything. I mean, I had a really good experience, uh, 
you know, in the Midwest and um, everything. It, it, as I mentioned before, I feel like I'm a little bit behind. I feel like I wasted some time in the music business. But it turns out that, that again, all that kind of everything that I experienced that 10 years being on, you know, touring with bands, uh, learning how the business works, you know, meeting some of my all-time favorite musicians and, and the stories that came along, all that kind of prepared me for where I'm at today. Mm. And all those little anecdotes and stories that kind of fuse into how I talk about marketing. So it all came full circle. So it's almost like uh, I had to go through that. And it's almost like if I didn't have that, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And, um, yeah, if I, if I didn't have to struggle and reinvent myself, then I never would have found myself, I think, sort of scenario. So uh, I don't think I would change a thing except I would have tried to graduate college a little earlier. Um, I, 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 so that brings us on a great ending. <laughs> I, those of you that have listened to the show, you've heard me say before that I believe that life prepares you for what life is preparing for you. Oh, that's beautiful. There's that's never nice. wasted time. Never wasted time. So is that, is that an Angus quote? That's an Angus quote. I like that. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you. We'll have to, we'll have to put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad idea. So, Jason, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for your candidness. And as always, thank you for your rock star mentality, man. I really appreciate you. Angus, uh, thanks for thinking of me. Uh, I'm a fan of yours, and uh, it's always a pleasure chatting with you. Well, I'm really thankful for Jason sharing with us today. Uh, some great nuggets. And one that I just can't stop thinking about is that whole thing about um, sharing and being generous um, and wrestling with when to make the ask. Uh, Is it just a rhythm that, uh, you know, four times one time? Is it uh, 12 times, six times, is 73 times, half a time? I don't know. I think it's different for everybody. And this is what I do know. I don't ask for help a lot. Um, it's just not something, like I said in the interview, um, that I'm really comfortable with. And I really need to push through that. I'm sure that it's part limiting beliefs. It's maybe some pride and ego. Um, maybe I'm a little overly self-reliant sometimes. But I do know this. It's an opportunity to grow. And I want to be better at that. And even when I get on the show, what, I, what I've what i kind of noticed in light of just visiting this is sometimes I ask for people to do something very simple like go to iTunes and put in a review. And I say it's so in passing because I'm almost embarrassed because I just throw it in there like I feel like I'm just supposed to because that's what every other uh, person on uh, podcasting does. That's our world. And it's as if I don't have the same conviction about whether I tell you to be intentional and change your life. I can be super, super convinced of that and convicted of that, and I can speak with such authority. And I'm not so much quite like that when I ask you to go to, you know, do something for me um, or to help me out. And so I'm going to try and get better at that. I don't want to um, be so sheepish or communicate in any way that I'm not confident in what I'm asking you in the first place. So with that, what I'd like you to do right now is go to iTunes and fill out a review and tell me and other people, why is it that you listen? What is it that you enjoy about this show? Because here's the thing. When people read that little snippet, it may cause them to get involved in a community that will change their life. Is that a big ask? Is that kind of a foo-foo fantasy? Maybe. But here's what I know. 
when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And my hope is that what I'm bringing to the table and the things that I bring and the things that I teach will change your life. Huh. That's a little bit different take on asking someone to go to iTunes and leave a review. And I hope you abide by that, but more importantly, I feel good about that because I think I said it with a why behind it, a purpose. Gosh, what if we did that every day? Found a why and found a purpose to what we do. I think that's what Jason and I were really tapping into. When we find our passion projects, how that influences our day-to-day jobs is critical. Finding something that we can be passionate about stimulates creativity and it stimulates a life force within us that makes us happy. And everyone likes to be around happy people. And when you're doing things that you love, you act differently, you talk differently, you influence differently, and you infect people differently. Oh my gosh, I was just with somebody just recently and they were kind of negative and down in the mouth and that was infectious because it just makes you feel yucky. And the opposite is true too. When you're up and enthusiastic and happy, good things happen. And that's what I want to leave you with today is find your passion, drill down to the things that make you feel alive and cause your insides to fill with light and life. And that way you'll bring good things to the table in your day job, in your relationships, in your marriage, and in your uh, parenthood as well. So have a great day, everyone. I really appreciate you being involved. Please stay in touch. You can shoot me a line at hello at AngusNelson.com. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, Have an incredible day. Live intentionally, love extravagantly, and lead with self-awareness. This has been Angus Nelson, setting you free to be your most effective self. Go and be amazing. listening to the up in your business podcast with angus nelson find more at upinyourbusiness.co remember that's dot co not com <laughs>